Hallelujah, Jesus. So, God, we just give you praise and honor and glory for all that you presented to us thus far this morning and our worship and preparation for the word. Oh, my God, thank you. You said that you will prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies and that we will dine sufficiently in that presence as your spirit feeds us. Give us all that we need to do, to become, and to say that is pleasing unto you that will cause heaven to come down here on earth. We are expecting that. We're looking forward to that, Father. And we thank you for the nourishment we have received thus far. Continue to feed us. Open us up. Help us to see ourselves the way you see it so that you can continue to fix us to be all that you called us to be where we are looking and are a reflection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Father, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I want to read um, a text that came to me. And, and um, she was trying to share it doing morning glory prayer. So she sent this to me, I guess, to get a, a real good understanding of what this person was saying. And um, I'm going to read this. I like to share a prophetic revelation that I taught on last night during my mic drop Monday live segment. I believe that is imperative for us, especially in the midst of this current social climate. One of the most prominent characteristics of being overwhelmed is the evolution of extremity. When you are overwhelmed, your emotions erupt and your senses become disordered. And again, look at this prophetic perspective from Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraints. Keep that in mind. The phrase cast off restraints literally means lack of discipline. The word prophetic refers to the ability to see something before it happens. In other words, foresight. So watch what this scripture is really saying. When you don't operate in foresight, you risk becoming undisciplined. Where there is no foresight, there are no boundaries. You will lack discipline. If you are unable to process through the consequences of your behaviors, then you are apt to do something without thinking clearly. When you operate in the atmosphere of overwhelm, you are trying to maneuver through disordered senses. We are overwhelmed when we operate without discipline. Think about it. Anger without discipline is rage. Sadness without discipline is grief. Disappointment without discipline is hopelessness. Fear without discipline is panic. Financial instability without discipline is poverty. Worry without discipline is anxiety. Sexuality without discipline is perversion. Why is discipline such an important principle? 
Understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, spiritual wickedness in high places. Our emotions sit in realms outside of our reach. High places, when you allow your emotions to become overwhelmed, they shift from the real where you have control, I mean realm where you have control, to a realm where you no longer have control. That's why the Bible tells us to keep our emotions with all diligence because issues will flow out of it, the, the issues of life. <laughs> In other words, you're not losing control, you're relinquishing it. Overwhelmed emotions operate in a spiritual realm. When they sit in high places, they have the ability to oppress you. The Bible gives us clearance to be angry. However, rage is spiritual oppression. Why? Because it sits outside of the realm of your reach. You're not in control of what you do in that atmosphere. Because there are two powers, thank you, operating over our lives, the decisions that we make and the words we speak is the choices that determine which one of those powers have the control in your life. It's Satan or the Lord. So sometimes when you think you're in the spirit, you are, but you just don't know it's not the Holy Spirit because it is a spirit that will keep you going in a mold that you've been accustomed to that's going to bring chaos, trauma, and all of the negative things that could possibly happen. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings order, comfort, wisdom, and joy. Am I right? So be careful about how you are managing or not managing your emotions. Because when we allow our emotions, and we all do it. So, I'm, you know, I, 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 I'm not trying to make you think that, that there are some of us who are so high. No, this is for all of us to get the message and operate in the spirit so that we can worship in spirit and in truth. And so when your emotions become so overpowered that you no longer can control it and you don't want to listen, what spirit is controlling you? Think about it. Because you are filled with the spirit don't mean you are actually always walking in the spirit. Amen. And, and that's all in the message and I'll get into that in detail, but I wanted to uh, bring a, even a greater understanding to that message from, the, from that YouTube. It's saying how you need to, when you get to the point that your emotions are controlling, which are habits and positions that you've been walking in most of your life, you have to now surrender to the Lord. And how do you surrender? Lord, help me. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I, I, I step back. I'm just going to wait on you. And even if you step ahead, you should be convicted to step back and say, you know what? I'm sorry. 
forgive me. But you don't let your emotions dictate to you how you're to handle and behave yourself. Because when you got born again, you became a new person. And so what you've been doing all of your life is supposed to be dictating the new creation God has tried to create in you. Everything that has gone forth thus far in our worship has supported the message that the Lord has given me. So these pictures where we are crackpot, but first of all, you got to acknowledge it. Everyone in the presence right now is a crack pot. And we need the Holy Ghost to put us together with his goal. To make us whole, but make us even better than we were before we were put in our mother's womb. Amen. Glory. I look forward of every day, not for eternity, but for every day on this side of heaven to see a newness in me that gives me my joy and my peace. Because even when I mess up because of who I serve, I don't go into depression. I don't lay down and wallow in what's going on or what's being said because I know a higher person that can pull me out of all of that and give me peace in the midst of it. And let me see afterwards what I could do different if it comes up again. The Holy Spirit don't, don't have us dwelling in foolishness. He doesn't have us dwelling in foolishness. And when you surrender and succumb to him, he will show you how you've been acting foolish so you don't have to reenact that again. Oh boy, there, even in my devotion there was so much, but I'm only going to share a little of... Uh, of this message today and because it's, it's the Holy Spirit is just awesome he's mind-blowing okay uh, because the title of the of the message today is unity in Christ okay guess what the message is in this devotional which is the upper room unity in Christ Different scriptures, <laughs> but all the same. Amen. And so the, um, the author of this, okay, I'm going to read this one little paragraph for the sake of time. It says, being in unity isn't just possible. It's God's desire and plan. Jesus prayed for his disciples to be one as Jesus and his father were one and later sent the Holy Spirit to empower and bond us. God wants us to embrace our place in the flock. Y'all know what the flock is? It's the church. I don't know. Everybody don't know that. If brothers or sisters in Christ fall behind, God calls us to help restore them to their place. When Christians lay aside differences and focus on being one in Christ, 
working together for God's purpose, but possibilities are endless. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. And, and the scripture that this author was a, a female uh, was writing about is out of John 17, which is what I call the Lord's Prayer. When Jesus was praying for us, that's the Lord's Prayer. Amen? Because he's praying for us to be one, united together, just as he and the Father are one. Amen? So what I want to do is, this is going to be like a teaching moment because I want to talk about some things and to prepare us. Since we're having new members class starting on tomorrow and then uh, baptism is, is coming up, I, I want to put this emphasis on these areas that is so important because it doesn't matter how long you've been in, the, in a church and it, and, it, and it doesn't matter whether or not uh, uh, you are saved or not saved, this message is for all of the body of Christ. And we need to come into a greater understanding what the body of Christ means because we put too much focus on church buildings but not on the body as a whole. Amen? And so, as I said, the title is Unity in Christ. Now, um, Whew, some, you, you're going to have to write some notes down because, like I said, this is, a, a, is really a teaching moment, and I don't know if I'm going to get through all of these scriptures. But John 15, verses 7 through 9, that's one supporting scripture. <laughs> John 16, verses 7 through 16, and Acts 1, verses 5 through 8, all supporting scriptures for this. And there's going to be a whole lot more to follow, <laughs> okay? <laughs> now, like I said, we're getting ready because I think we need to have a real understanding, number one, about what our salvation means and also about baptism. And what we also need to understand uh, that our life in Christ begins with three different baptisms. Amen? Without these three baptisms, you are not a disciple of Christ. So, the first one is a baptism of salvation. Okay? And the baptism and salvation is the very first baptism which means it's a baptism of repentance. That's salvation, the baptism of repentance. I'm going to go back and, and, and go through the scriptures, but let me give you this. The next baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? And then the last baptism is in water. Those three components are very important as a disciple or follower of Christ. Okay, so now we're going to go back to the baptism of repentance, which is salvation. Now, salvation is a confession of faith that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. He is the Savior of the world who you believe in and have received him in your heart which caused you to repent and turn from who you were, 
who you used to be to become a new person in him as the Holy Spirit is creating the newness in you. Amen. Okay, the scriptures that are going to uh, support the first baptism, which is of self repentance, which is of salvation, is in the book of Luke. Let's go to Luke, Luke uh, 3, verse 3. Like I said, this is, is more of a teaching. You may not be doing, but you guys don't do too much shouting anyway. So, Luke 3, verse 3. Okay. Luke 3, verse 3 says, And he came into all the countries about Jordan. So that means all the regions around Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Who was that doing that travel? Exactly. John the Baptist was going around preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Amen. Okay. Uh, Colossians 2. Colossians 2 and uh, verse 12 says, and this, is, this, this particular uh, part of that chapter is talking about being rooted in Christ Jesus. Verse 12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who have raised him from the dead. So, when we get saved, we are buried in him from old stuff, okay? And he begins to do a work in us, and by faith we are receiving that work where he can raise us from a dead person to become new in Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay? Now, let's go over to Matthew 28, Matthew 28, and uh, we're going to uh, focus on right now on that one verse, which is 18. And, and Jesus came and spake unto his disciples, saying, All power or all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now, that's so important because as a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you know who you belong to, then you know what you've been empowered and what you've been gifted with. So he's saying, I'm giving that power to you. Okay? Now, I'm going to come back to that when I get to the, when I get to the, um, the baptism of water. Okay, well, I'll come back and revisit that. Now, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3 at verse 11, John the Baptist is speaking again. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You see, that baptism is absolutely necessary. We tend to focus on one particular point concerning being baptized with the Holy Ghost, and it's far greater than that. That happens to be an expression 
a result of being baptized with the Holy Ghost. The whole purpose of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is because His Spirit brings the transformation of your bad character to become more like Jesus. I know, I, I can tell by the expressions, a lot of y'all don't like me right now, but I really don't care. <laughs> okay, so again, uh, um, I will revisit some more of this as we go on further. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians 12. And you can write these down so that you can review more of the verses as you please. So 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, verse uh, 13 says, oh, I love this one because he's talking about the whole body of Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So now you see this, this particular verse here is very, very important because when people are trying to evangelize you, if, you, if they are representing Jesus Christ and they're on for the right purpose, what they want is for us to all come into one, one spirit, into one body. And God is not concerned about all those other little things that we tend to think about. But when a person is not trying to disciple you and to Jesus Christ, and they come to you and start talking about stuff, they will talk about genealogy. They want to talk about whether Jesus was Jew, black, and all of this other stuff. They, they, they want to talk about your rights and all of that. You need to close. You know what? Yesterday... I had an experience, really surprised, and I had two young men, they came to the door. I didn't even hear the doorbell, I just happened to hear the commotion, and then I went to the door and I opened the door and here was these two young men standing there, and they were just so happy and delighted that I answered the door because they were evangelizing, okay? And so, uh, the way they greeted me and the way they started out, I was happy to see them, to see that they're out there doing what we're supposed to be doing, <laughs> okay? And so he begins to talk, and he, and he says something about, um, um, something about life. Yeah, oh, what, what would you... What would you like or what would you do or something about if, if what kind of life would I have or something? And I says, you know what? Without Jesus, there is no life. But because of who I am and I told him who I am, I have the fullness of life. Okay. So, oh, that's so wonderful. So he goes on talking and I'm thinking, okay, now I've given you the right answer. So if you come to evangelize me, now you need to climax it so that you can go on to the next door unless there's something you want to know different that you don't already know. Okay. But he goes on and on. And this is why you got to be discerning and careful because he started out like they were Christians. Okay. 
But as he goes on, and, he, and he's and I'm so happy. Well, that's great. And all, and he started, and he starts talking his little speech that has been rehearsed so well that he's become a believer of it. Oh, y'all are not getting undertone. <laughs> Glory. So he says, um, um, he starts talking about this, this book that has all this wonderful information in it um, that he wanted me to be interested in. And after he got through giving all of the little descript descriptions and everything, and he says, it's a, a, a Bible of the Mormon. I says, oh, I, I, have, I have the book, the book of life. It's called the Holy Bible. And everything I need to know is in that one book. Yes, but it'd be nice to study, and, and uh, uh, you probably don't know, and so he wants to tell me about the, I says, oh, I know all about you too, because I have a book, I couldn't even give him the full title because I didn't want to blow his mind. I have the book called The Kingdom of Religions. It's called The Kingdom of the Cult, and I've read it, so I know, you know, I know all about, I know all about that, but I'm talking about the book of life. And it's about Jesus Christ, who is my Savior. Okay. And so you can see when people are like, you know, and he looks at his partner and, and looking, and I'm like, mm, okay. So I said, you know, um, you know what? It's, it's wonderful that you want people to be uh, evangelized into Christ. But this house here is established. And Christ. So this neighborhood, though, are full of people who worship other gods. So let me encourage you to go visit some of the other houses here, and maybe you can encourage them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Oh, well, what kind of people live here in this community? And, it's, I, and I told them, and I says, and I'm, I've been praying for them. I've been praying for, you know, for us to be saved, for everybody to, to be saved. Oh, okay, thank you. And they left, and they actually did go next door. <laughs> and they stayed in the area for quite, quite some time. But my point is this, the way they came up, see, that's why you don't get moved because somebody says something about God. And, and in certain cults, you need to know when they're talking about Jesus, are they talking about the Savior or are they talking about a prophet? Or to just a man. Because if they're using the term prophet and man, they're not talking about Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Amen? And, 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 and you don't want to be caught up wasting time having foolish conversations about genealogy. That's not what he called us to do. And, and, and debating those kinds of conversations. You want to diffuse them so that they could come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord Lord and Savior. Amen? So that's why we need to know who we are in Christ. And when we know who we are in Christ, then we will follow his lead because we are supposed to be exuding him so that his light is shining through us. And sometimes you don't even have to say anything, but God, people can see the Jesus in you, and then they want to know more about him. See, we are supposed to be like John the Baptist and Jesus. We're that when we go out and we 
talk about him or just be an appearance of him, they will want to repent and come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Your life has not changed if people can't tell who you belong to because you represent them. You reflect what they and who they are in the world. God is calling for a people like him who wants to learn to live and serve him. And that when we out are out and, and we're among other people, they know you are different. And they, want, and they want that joy that they see. They're not interested in how much money you have, where you live, and what you're driving. They're interested in how can I get that joy? But if you're walking around looking like a sourpuss because you got an attitude and you are offended, you can't draw nothing to you. If you're going around and you all sharp and fine and all of that, but you don't know who your savior is, you can't draw nobody to you. And you can't go around shucking and jiving, talking the talk you used to talk before Christ and think you can draw Jesus Christ, to, uh, draw somebody to Jesus Christ. Help me, Holy Ghost, because I didn't want to get emotional. When you truly believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and receive him in your heart, it will cause you to repent and turn from the old person you become to become the new person who the Holy Spirit is daily, daily creating in you. John 15, John 15, uh, verses 7 through 9 is what I want to focus on. But this is like one of my favorite chapters too, where he's talking about abiding in him because he is the true vine. And so verses 7 through 9 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it should be done unto you. Why? Because if you're abiding in Christ, as he's abide, abiding in you, your will lines up with his will. There's no longer you got a separate kind of will. So whatever you ask is in line with his will. So don't take it that like you can just ask any soulish, foolish, worldly kind of thing from God and think he's going to give it to you because you think you are abiding. You're not abiding because when you are abiding in him, what he says and what goes in his word and his command is what's in your heart. Amen. He says, verse 8, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. He says that the Lord is glorified because you are abiding in his son, Jesus, and therefore you are producing fruit. And when you produce fruit, you're going to look like the tree that you came from. And so we're going to look like Jesus Christ. We're going to be a disciple. We got to look like him if we're going to follow him. Amen. He said, as the father have loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So continue to abide in my love because the love that the Father has for me, I have for you. Therefore, you are in them. It doesn't get any better than that. That's, hey, you want to go deep? That's deep. Go deep into Jesus Christ. That's what we need to go deep in. You want to hear some deep theology? No, go deep into Jesus Christ. 
It don't go any deeper than that because some of that deep theology that you be predicating on is a problem why you ain't growing maturely and your character is not being changed because the Holy Spirit can't reach you. You so deep. Okay, the next baptism is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to equip us, guide us, comfort us, and convict us of our sins. And to convict us so that our nature doesn't stay the same as in the world and, or be, stay wicked. Because remember, we were born wicked. Those cute little babies. And the little children. Why do you think we have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? If they were so perfect, holy, and wonderful, why do they have to be saved? <laughs> we were born like that. This is why we have to be on the mission of finding Jesus Christ to transform us. Amen? And to take that wicked nature to, and turn it into a divine nature that will bear much good fruit. Amen? And if you want to know about the fruit, let's go over to Galatians 5. Because when in, in, in uh, John um, 15, when he starts stripping us from all of the stuff, he says by abiding in him that he'll start stripping us and purging us. Well, then he, he doesn't leave us naked. Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. He don't, he don't, he don't leave you uh, naked where you just, just out there. He dresses you up in new garments. Amen. And in Galatians 5, 22 to 25 will tell you what kind of clothing you're going to put on uh, to become and be like Christ. It says, Galatians 5, 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. This is new fruit. He cleanses you from the old so that the fruit you produce now is good. The fruit you were producing before was bad, rotten fruit. Okay. Now, when he takes one bad personality trait away from you, he put in one of God's, uh, one of the fruit of Jesus in us. Okay. And he does it like one at a time. He doesn't take everything out of you at one time. You will die. Because we're made up of mess. <laughs> so we would just die. So he comes and he takes strip one bad thing at a time and put on his fruit. And so he says the fruit of the spirit is love. If you don't have the love, he can't even begin to work. Remember his first commandment? The first two commandments. The first one is to love him. That's the beginning. When you love God with all of you, then you can love yourself. And if you love yourself, then you'll love others. Okay. So the first one is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. There, you don't need a law. You are automatically obeying the law when you operate in the spirit of Jesus Christ. He says, um, and they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. You have allowed the Holy Spirit to help you have self-control where you no longer lust after the things you used to lust after. 
Amen. Now, it's funny because when you say that word lust, the only way your mind goes is into sex. Well, it is far greater than sex. You lust after bad behavior. You lust after being selfish. You lust after being prideful. You lust after having your own way and not want to listen to anything else because you got the game and gone with it. There are so many things that we lust after that probably is a whole lot worse you, than, than the sex thing because you ain't doing that all the time as much as you want to make people think you got it going on. Okay, so I'm sorry, but I have to deal with the real because, see, you all don't even wake up to nothing being holy and, and spiritual and all of that. I have to deal with the real deal because that's what y'all doing, the real deal. Okay. So he said in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Okay. So since the spirit gives us new life after conversion, let us follow the spirit, which means you learn not to think as you once did, nor do the things you once did. Although we are creatures of habits, now, with the dwelling power of the indwelling Holy Spirit in us, when we do the old stuff or the wrong things, you are right away convicted. Okay? And so, when that conviction pops up, then you must immediately put a stop to what you're doing. So, that means you turn from that. And, 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 and those are all of those old habits you turn. When you make a practice to start turning from that, the Holy Spirit supports that behavior and that attitude. But if you're not going to turn from it, and all you're going to say is that God knows me, he knows my heart, and he understands, as this is just how I am. You keep saying that, and that's how you're going to stay. And guess what? With your saved self, you're going to bust hell wide open. Don't think because you made that confession in church, but you live contrary to it, that you're going to heaven. There is a work. But when we are conscious of what's going on and we have surrendered our way to the Lord and submit our will to him, he makes you conscious of the wrong that you're doing, the wrong that you're thinking, the wrong that you're saying, and he convicts you unto righteousness. And if you're never convicted, you need to go back and examine your salvation. Because there is no way a saved person can sin and feel comfortable in that sin. The only way is that you're totally ignorant of the fact that you're sinning. And I don't think so. <laughs> so even if you don't acknowledge it to anyone else, you're going to acknowledge it to the Lord. Lord, help me. Forgive me. So, so that you can just have, because see, Holy Spirit in there, you ain't going to have no peace because he don't dwell in unclean things. And you're not going to have no peace until you say, God help me, forgive me. Amen? Now, once he pricks you and lets you know that you're out of order, then you've got to respond to that. 
Because if you don't respond, remember the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And he's not going to arm wrestle you down. Okay? But he will allow you to self-destruct to your lowest point in order to gain your ear. And this is when you hear people say, well, what kind of God will allow that to happen to you? No, he didn't do it. You did it. You came from up under his covering when you made a decision to rebelliously do what you planned to do or say what you've been saying, and he no longer have you covered because he knows that's the only way he's going to awaken you. You have to be wounded, almost destroyed, hurt, broken, and all of that. So then now, because when we get to our lowest point, where do we go? People who don't even know Jesus Christ is Jesus, where do they go when they get to their lowest point? God! <laughs> we, we'll cry out to God at a heartbeat. Every time something major crisis happened into our, our nation, all of a sudden, people start going to church. And then after the initial threat and everything is gone, you don't see them anymore. But you know what? Probably because they, like most of us, think that just coming into the building is going to fix it. Just coming into the building is going to change. No, we are the church. And we need to be to coming together as one body in unity to help each other to grow in the graces and the mercies of God. B because your name is on the roster and, and that's, this is the location that you come ever so often, don't make you the body of Christ. And it does not empower the church. Help me, Holy Ghost. Okay. The last baptism is one of water. And water baptism is not salvation. Water baptism is not salvation. Okay? But it comes after salvation. You can go down in the water as a devil and a demon, and you're going to come up the same way, just wet. You must be born again before the water baptism and because that water baptism is a public confession that I am saved, I repented, and I'm making this a public confession of my new life in Christ. For my old man is dead, and I am bearing him down in this water so I can rise up in the newness of Christ. Amen? It is a declaration of a Holy Ghost change. So going down in that water as a demon, that water can't do nothing for you but quench your thirst if you begin to drink it. To be washed and cleansed, it has to be done by the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. Because he says, if, would you confess with your mouth? And what you're confessing with your mouth is in this Bible. It is not any other kind of saying, but it's what's written in this Bible that the Father sent his son, Jesus, who was God, who put on an earth suit to come down to redeem us from hell, from sin and death. Amen? And he suffered and died because he was the only one that did not 
of any sin who was perfected in order to stand on our behalf, in our behalf for us, so that we will be sanctified and justified and redeemed by the power of the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ. And because of that, now you are saved from all of that, but you got to walk like it, act like it, and live like it. And, you, you, you know, so many people, like, like, like even, even myself, one, two, three. I was baptized three times. I was trying to count how many times I was baptized. I was baptized three times, twice unsaved. The last time, saved. And so people say, well, yeah, I, uh, you got saved, grown. Some of you were grandparents, parents, great-grandparents, whatever. And, and, and uh, you, you come into the, the church and you say, oh, yeah, I was baptized when I was a child. You haven't had baptism. You went in the water when you were a child. You haven't been baptized yet. You don't get baptized until after you get saved. Amen? So, now you can go to heaven without being baptized. But you just need to know, don't tell nobody about that baptism. Because it's not profiting you anything. So you can, you can just ice that out of your conversation. When you get baptized after salvation, now you got a conversation for somebody, okay? And let me tell you, if you think that that little declaration that you're making is okay, I got news for you. If Jesus Christ, who set the example about baptism, gets baptized, who do you think you are? Who do we think we can are to determine whether or not we're going to be baptized or not based on past experiences? Jesus was baptized before he faced Satan or those three temptations. Remember that? He was also baptized before he started going to do the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before he started going around doing the work of the ministry, he got baptized. Well, we're talking about somebody who knew no sin, sinless, but took on our sins, and who was condemned and suffered for our, on our behalf. Someone who was perfect, but it took that perfect human being to go and do something divinely in order for us to be clean, pure, sanctified, and then have the opportunity to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, when John the Baptist, after Jesus convinced him, because John the Baptist was like, you should be baptizing me, <laughs> rightfully so. But he told him, this must happen. You know, Jesus is our leader and our example. That's why we're called disciples. We follow his lead. And he did things according to the book. So what makes you think you don't have to? Okay. Jesus, when he got baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts 
at salvation, but he infills us and he comes upon us to do a service after salvation because you invited him in to take over to bring the necessary changes that you need also to equip you to do the work that you would purpose and call to do because we don't do anything for Christ without the power of the Holy Ghost equipping us because if you do you're just doing works and that's why nothing is being accomplished. It has to be the empower, empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon us to equip us to do what God wants us to do. And what is that? Let's go back to Matthew 28. Because you see, we're following a pattern after the first fruit of salvation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So Jesus gets baptized the Holy Spirit comes upon him, equips him, then he goes out and he, does the, and he does the ministry work. And then he says to us in 18, 28, 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. So whatever you do on earth is done in heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. Therefore, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy, Holy Ghost. He's telling you, merge them, not just by water baptism, but emerge them in the doctrine of who the Father is, the Son is, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Don't worry, don't fret when you go, because I'm with you. So don't worry about what you need to carry, what you need to take. Just go in my name, because all the power, the authority that I have, I've given it to you through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is why it's necessary after salvation, you have the Holy Ghost. You can't witness to anybody because you don't have the Holy Ghost. People's lives cannot be touched and changed when you don't have the Holy Ghost. Amen? And he wants everybody in the world to come. Jesus didn't die for the remnant. He died for the whole world. It's just unfortunate only a remnant have ears to hear and a heart to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. But it is remnant to go out and tell the world as many as we can draw them in to come to know who Jesus Christ is. And then when you don't, you got to answer about what you did not do with the knowledge and the information that you got. But every bit of truth that you hear and, re and you receive through your ears, you are now responsible for it to act on it. Don't think you got some choices because you got a free will and a mind of your own. No, you have the responsibility to walk out and operate in the truth that you've heard. God is a deliverer. He is a healer. He is a lover. He is a protector. He is our comforter. There is nothing that he can't do. He is the I am. Which means whatever you need, he says, I am that. 
I will fill the void. I will do what is necessary to do to equip you to live on this side of heaven in the peace and joy that I promise. Until you come to dwell with me forever in eternity. Yes, we deal with a whole lot of stuff in life. But life is not supposed to overtake us because Jesus says, I have overcome it. And if you put your trust and confidence in me, you can overcome the things I have already overcome. We don't trust him enough. We got to see beforehand. You got to step out and just do what he's telling you to do. One path, one step at a time and wait to see. He'll show you at the end because it don't take any faith to walk the path that's paved out already. He will show you at the end. This is what I was promising you. This is what I said I would do for you. Just take that one step. Stop waiting to see and know everything in advance. That's not faith. Trust him. And why are you expecting perfection when you can't perform it? Think about it. You want it to be perfectly right and done. And you want the perfect man and the perfect woman and you're imperfect no all power has been given to me says Jesus I give it unto you the greatest power you have is on your knees in your closet he will change that imperfection he will rearrange situations he will fix, he will supply, he will take care of whatever that needs to be taken care of to bring it to the level that you may need, but only what he sees that you need, not what you think you need. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. How can we go and minister to the world without the power of the Holy Ghost? That's why it is important that we have those three baptisms. Why? So that we can minister salvation to those who are in need in the dark. Not for you to have stuff. Now, you can go out and you can talk and you can share without the power of the Holy Ghost. And you may get some people who will follow you. <laughs> And then you'll get a whole lot who ain't going to never come nowhere. Because the Bible says we're to go out to bring them in to follow Jesus, not to follow no man. And I'm using that word generically so it fits women, ministers, or whomever. You don't follow people, you follow Christ. Amen? Because you're making disciples... Uh, out of these people, and once they become a disciple, they go out and bring in people to follow Christ. It goes on and on and on and on. Amen? We come to church to become better equipped and filled with knowledge of Jesus Christ to be his light in the world, to speak the gospel truth for the world to hear, and to example signs, wonders, and miracles in the world. See, if you come with the right mindset, with the desire, 
you will get what you need to go out to the world to do what he's called you to do. Amen. And this happens in unity with Christ in the body of Christ. So you cannot be no long ranger saint. And you can't be saved and don't come into, into the body of Christ on a regular basis and keep your salvation. You're deceived. You think you are, but you're deceived. We grow among each other. And there are times when God may give you a revelation that somebody else at church will affirm it. Because, remember, there's two spirits that are operating. So everything that you get is not necessarily coming from the Holy Spirit because Satan is a deceiver. So he don't come with the obvious lies. He comes with partial truth. Remember when he tested Jesus up in the mountain? He came with, with some of the word to Jesus to tempt him. So he'll do the same thing with us. And you hear just enough to make you think, uh-huh, that's right. The Lord, would the Lord talk to me? I don't need that. And then when we get a, a, a magnifying glass and dissect it, you find out God, that wasn't God speaking at all. <laughs> there was some other spirit speaking to you. So you come, and then somebody else, because God said, I'll give you the affirmation. I will confirm my word to you. Some, some two or three other people say the same thing to you, like, whoa, okay, God, okay. Sometimes you um, need correction because you, th you think you've made it up in your own mind that what you're doing is right. I've been doing it for, you put the numbers in. <laughs> and nobody ever said anything to me before. Well, I guess not. Because most of the people you've been hanging around with was the way you used to be. Unsaved. And some of these others that you think are saved are church, but they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And light and dark don't mix. So the fact that you wouldn't get anything because everybody was in the dark. Now that you're in the light, you're getting conflict. Okay, Jesus, they don't like me. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord. There are times that we need some things that we cannot get alone. There are times that you come, and even though the preacher isn't saying it, somebody else may say something that will awaken something in you, stir up something in you. You cannot be a long ranger thinking you got it and God is tough. Let me tell you, that is a really a great deception of Satan to keep you out of order. Until he gets you to the point he has you destroyed and your whole household destroyed. That's, that's, that's his whole game. Because he doesn't want Jesus to be glorified. And I want to, let me just say this. It, it's, it's so amazing how people can come and be, start to grow in the Lord. And then all of a sudden they stop coming. They're just getting to the point where they're growing and advancing and getting somewhere. And so they just stop coming. Why? Uh, 
they met somebody, got a new job, and, and, and I don't have no time. They've been deceived by some foolish conversation and will go back to the place you left to come here. <laughs> and you left because there was a problem. Don't you recognize the hand of Satan? He comes at the right time to mess you up just as you're getting ready to go to graduation. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, we can intercede all we want. But you don't have anything in you to awaken you as our prayers is going to heaven. So that what's in heaven can come down here on earth, shake you, move you, wake you, bless you. Let's stop playing games. Let's stop coming to these buildings set up for services. Let's start coming into the buildings and do the service and be the people of God to make a difference and make an imprint on the rest of the world. Let's ask God to save us, deliver us from having low expectation of a high and mighty God. Because that's what our problem is. Our expectations are too low. They're predicated on what you're capable of doing. They need to be predicated on what he can do. And we come with a greater expectation and watch God do exploits through us. That's what I'm looking for. So when people come through that door, they're either going to be so motivated they can't leave or they're so full of hell they can't stay. Because no unclean thing can dwell in the presence of the Lord. And so they're afraid and they run. They can't handle it. That's why when you're hearing the gospel truth, pure truth, not no dressed up theological doctrinal presentation, that you can't stay awake. The enemy don't want you to hear. Get, just get bits and pieces. Just enough for you to not believe. But Satan, you're a liar. In the name of Jesus. Okay, I'm going to bring a climax to this. By being in the multitude of councils, and that's what the body of Christ is, okay, there are many benefits. There are many benefits. Because there are times when we need the joy in us to be ignited. You can't do that by yourself. You can't be at home doing that by yourself. What I'm saying on a regular basis, there are times if you are in, in the church, in the body constantly, and you have those times where your joy is being disappeared, you can get in before God and he can do it. But if you've made it a practice not to be among the body of Christ, and your joy disappear, you don't have no power to ignite what's in you. Amen? So you don't want to let your pride and arrogance keep you shut down 
from getting the counsel that you need. I think it's in Proverbs 11, it says that, let me go, let me go to it. Instead of, I want to recite it just as it is written. The whole, the whole book of Proverbs, which I call the book of wisdom, you need to read it sometime or study it sometime. Proverbs eleven fourteen, and it says, where no counsel is, the people fall. Where no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When we are among each other as believers, there is safety safety. Amen. Go to Proverbs 8. I wrote that down. Oh, okay. This whole book of Proverbs 8 is God is speaking of himself because he, he's referring to himself as wisdom. He is wisdom. Okay. And so he's, he's, he's telling us about how wisdom needs to dwell in us. We need to seek wisdom. We need to trust wisdom, use wisdom and cry out to wisdom. But when you are off, not being a part of a body of Christ, whatever you thinking you believe and somebody else comes with a word of wisdom, you don't want to hear it. You reject it. And you don't think it's wisdom. You think it's, you think it's, it's, it's their opinion when it's really wisdom coming forth to help you, to save you. But you don't realize that until you come and be connected to the body of Christ. And then you recognize because you should be reading your Bible. But you see, when you're not connected to the body of Christ on a consistent basis, you do not have enough discipline to read the Bible on your own, nor to pray, or, nor do you know how to pray the correct prayers that will bring heaven down to earth. We grow and learn off of each other. And if it, if it wasn't necessary, why do you think God even started the body of Christ? Why would there be a body of Christ? Let me just think about it. God is the head, and we're the body. So we're arms, legs, eyes, ears. We're all the extension of who he is. And if we don't all come together as a whole, there's no body. So some parts are missing, and those parts that are missing may be something that I need that I can't get. Are you following me? So do not let fear, shame, and pride lead you into a path of no return. For the Bible says in Psalms 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And amen. Praise the Lord. So I pray that we have a better understanding concerning salvation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and the water baptism, because I would, I like to see, because I do know there are many among us who are saved, but have yet to be baptized, emerged in water. So those who have not accepted Jesus Christ 
as your Lord and Savior because you really were thinking that by being a member of a church you were saved. You're thinking because you got baptized as a child because they, they just did that, that you are baptized into Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity to um, turn all of that around and get it right before the Lord. It's most important what God sees and knows more than what other people are thinking and seeing. We, we, we're not here to impress people with us. We're here to impress people with Jesus. Amen. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you humbly. I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of myself. I need help. So I'm asking you, Father, for the gift of salvation. Fill my heart with your son, Jesus, to save me, deliver me, cleanse me, purge me, and to sit me on high. Dear Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, shed his blood on the cross for me to be saved. I accept that gift, and I acknowledge now I am saved. Now, Father, I'm asking for the next best gift. That's your Holy Spirit. Come into me. Fill me to overflow so that I can walk this Christian life as a disciple of Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, and praise the Lord. Okay, uh, I guess I better do the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and give you peace. May you walk this life in his spirit. And when you depart from this location, wherever you go, let his light so shine, it would draw all men unto him. And remember to tell somebody about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>